And we are back for another episode of Talking as a Free Action. I'm your host, Owen, joined again by our our excellent co-host, <laughs> Marvin. How you doing, man? I exist. How about you, bud? I, I also exist on a spectrum. So All right. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's always good to, to be back in the booth, back recording again. Uh and I think we have a fun episode lined up for today. What do you think? Uh yeah, I would say so. Um it's kind of a sequel. Sequel? I like sequels. Uh yeah, because we're gonna be talking about uh encounters again. Encounters? Oh my. Okay. Uh, when was the last time we talked about encounters? Uh, well, you know, if we are still pretending that nobody's heard us before and this is a brand new show, we've never talked about encounters, wink. <laughs> yeah, you know, I keep thinking that, but the thing is, is that when you do go to the, like, the podcast players, it obviously shows all of the old stuff. So I'm actually curious when that last encounter episode was. Now that I think about it, because it's got to be a hot minute ago, right? Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely like a year and a half or so. Yes, yeah, it's the actual conversation, at least. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's do it. So um, encounter planning is uh, kind of one of those things that as a DM, we do fairly frequently, um, depending on your on your purview. Um, what are. So, so what do you got for us, <laughs> you know, as far as encounters are concerned? Any, well, any updates to uh, to the last time? Well, since I have no idea what we said the last time, mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'm not sure what we have to update. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think one of the things that we did talk about um, was, like, designing interesting encounters, of course, uh, how to do that, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think like a good component of interesting encounters kind of comes down to also just like having some, I don't know, some like relevant NPCs, things like that, um, just memorable bad guys, you know, and whatnot. Because even if it's mm-hmm. like just fight on a featureless plane, if the person you're fighting is like larger than life, then you know you're still going to be a relatively memorable encounter. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So. Um, so honestly, this was a bit of a self-indulgent topic for me, because um, <laughs> honestly, I kind of just wanted to talk about our, our last uh, our last D and D session for the home game, um, at least mm-hmm. re- regarding the actual combat setup, and uh, you know how you felt about the game. So, um, would you like to to paint a picture uh, with words uh, how that how that session went? <clears throat> Viewers, listeners, imagine with me, if you will, a group of adventurers huddled in a small uh, hooded wagon pulled along by a spectral horse. It begins to rain. One of the adventurers, a dwarf, confirmed insane, says, (laughs) don't let that stuff touch you. If you let it touch you, it'll hurt and put away anything metal. Acid rain. And not like we have in real life. Real acid. Raining from the skies. Gonna kill you immediately. So, your party takes off all of their metal armor and puts away all their metal weapons. And when the last piece of metal is stowed away properly, 
The spectral horse is attacked by a zombie, bringing the cart to a crash. And more zombies begin to saunter out of the 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 rain towards your group. And that's where the party found themselves at the beginning <laughs> of our last session. Yeah, yeah. So, um, let me see. How many enemies was it? It must have been like maybe 10 or 12, at least. Something like that. Um, and, you know, um, they weren't your standard fair zombies either. No, no, they were not. They did not go down easy. <laughs> well, I mean, normal zombies don't go down easy either. Sure they do. At level 14, they do. <laughs> Aren't you guys, um, you know, excited to fight monsters that are actual challenges? Yes, I actually am very excited for that. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Awesome. Speaking of great time, so um, how did the how did that combat encounter go? I mean, we, we have to know. Oh well, I mean, you were there. It was great. I had a blast. Um, everybody in the party went down at least once, except for our two NPC allies. Um, Which I owe but, strictly to their like significantly larger health pool than what you guys have. Yes, but even they were not looking great at the end of the fight. So we were having a blast. Um, one of our party members, unfortunately, had missed that session, and he should be beating himself up and I hope he listens to this episode so he knows how much I think he should feel bad about missing it. He had a good reason, but feel bad either way. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, especially because he's kind of a resident combat nut, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so obviously sometimes you're going to have players in your party who are much more engaged during the combat encounter. And yep. I'm not going to lie, I think the fact that he wasn't there definitely made that fight significantly harder than it would have been otherwise. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, the guy we had filling in, controlling his character, was not very well versed in how that character should function. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say. <laughs> but you know what? It was still a good time. Yeah, I think what, what kind of set it apart. So one of the things I was kind of thinking going into it, of course, is... I have a party of high-level adventurers, and I need to set up interesting encounters to kind of demonstrate the relative danger of this landscape. So the party is currently traveling on Exandria uh, through the Blightshore, which is basically this, like, blasted wasteland um, that has, you know, wild, wild magical phenomena just kind of rolling through it at all times, along with, you know, all sorts of, you know, monsters and things that you generally don't want to tangle with. and. I was concerned that if you guys just kind of steamroll through one or two fights, that you guys might get a little bit too too strong for your britches, right? You're a little bit too um, too confident, I guess. So it was really important that like this fight kind of set a set a tone for kind of the stuff to come, um, as this is kind of like not even at the place that you guys are going to yet. This is just traveling to, and it very nearly you know killed some of you guys um, mm -hmm. on more than one occasion. It took. Uh, a not insignificant amount of creative like turn use in order to make sure that no one failed all over their death saves um, through the course of that fight. Oh yeah, it was great. <laughs> there was more than one point where I literally could not go anywhere except into hurting myself. Yeah, yeah. Because um, the bard uh, turned on 
you know, turned on their uh, Johnny Storm powers and uh, was radiating damage. <laughs> so it was either stay in the rain and take, uh, you know, two or three D4 points of acid damage at the, uh, you know, at initiative count 20 or teleport to where the bard is under the uh, covered awning and take, you know, a D10 of fire damage and hope that that's okay. Yeah, I think I made the right choice the last time, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I will say that you're you're um so so when it comes to that fight, you kind of jumped out of the cart right away, um in a way, mm-hmm. which like is fine. I didn't think it was like a bad or good call necessarily, um, but you definitely ended up staying a lot more isolated. I I I can't help but get the feeling that you were hoping that some of the others would jump off and join you. No, I expected them to not. <laughs> right on. So, but hey, but com- my plan worked mostly. What was the plan? Uh, so the the original plan was get a whole bunch of them in one place and then just do big AOE. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized I didn't have any of my good AOE spells prepared except Lightning Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait and a they minute. And they didn't line up. And I said it like halfway through the encounter. I did not prepare for this. <laughs> My spell slots are not set up for for this kind of combat. No, no, they definitely weren't. Um, what were you expecting? Just like one or two large enemies or something? Um, or just I not expecting a fight? I wasn't expecting like a decent amount of actually bulky things. Mm-hmm. I was expecting, you know, a bunch of like less bulky things. Um... Or maybe like three or four smaller encounters. Right. Was not expecting one like medium challenge encounter. Yeah. And I think that this is probably this probably qualifies as like medium challenge, right? So it was I think so. Moderately taxing on your resources. No one died, but like you guys had to use a few potions to stay in it and used a significant number of, of uh, spell slots, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to encounter planning, it's like, okay, how many of these can I throw at you guys in a day? Like, I'm very confident if you guys fight another, like, this style of encounter, like, someone's dying, right? Probably. Um, possibly all of you guys. Because, um, honestly, this is, like, honestly, I think it was a little bit closer to, like, difficult than it was medium. Um, the way that things, you know, ended up shaking out. Because even though, like, you did have a couple of strong NPCs with you, John is not, like the kind of encounter who like excels in this style of area, right? A lot of his mm-hmm. strength comes from the fact that he's able to, you know, poison and stun and do things like that, which is, are, are not effective against, um, against uh, zombies and such. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though he is a challenging NPC, um, if you guys were able to fight him, things would not go very well. Um, you know, even in these sorts of situations, he's a lot more limited. And you guys kind of saw that, that, you know, outside of his element, he hurts a lot, but he's still, like, overcome. Like, you, you still could overcome, you know, mm-hmm. that style. He he can be overwhelmed. He's not, um, he's not immortal, right? Right. Which I think in some respects I kind of like because it brings him down a little bit from where I think the party kind of saw him. Um, uh, they definitely thought he was, like, the most busted thing they would ever meet. I mean, and he still might be, but I think that it definitely opens up the, the thought process that, like, there are some holes in this armor, right? 
literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and again, like he, he, he did get beat up quite a bit and he still had a bit of fight left in him. I think he ended that fight at like 80 ish HP, 75, 80, somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. which like he took, he took a lot of brunt. Like he was drawing quite a bit of aggro in that fight. Um, and you know, for our listeners, of course, uh, John is um, basically what happens if you uh, take the T one thousand and make him out of spiders instead of metal. And you know, up until this point, his interactions with the party have largely been positive ones. Um, you know, where you guys have not really had to like fight him directly in any capacity, mm-hmm. and you haven't really had to watch him fight directly in any capacity either i think this may be the first time i've had to like roll initiative with him in the fight to be honest that sounds right so um so like in some respects it was kind of like a showcase of like what you were going to get yourself into should you have decided to fight him anyways yeah and uh i think the other guys definitely think we made the right choice not fighting him Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, that, especially because, like, a lot of... I didn't give many of his legendary actions, of course. I, I think anytime you're co-opting, um, you know, like, an NPC or something for, like, an ally. Like, if, for instance, like, I mean, obviously it can't happen with Strahd, but, like, he is an NPC who has legendary actions who, like, feasibly could fight on the side of the players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, you would maybe take away his legendary actions in order to... Um, not tip the scale too far in that character's favor. Obviously, if you guys ever started to fight John, then of course he, he would immediately get them back. But, uh, you know, in this case, I did want to, to kind of stay consistent to that, to that like personal rule. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's good. I like that. He didn't have those things. Yeah. Well, I think um, cause it just becomes more about him then. Right. Yeah, definitely. It would definitely feel like he's dominating the combat encounter and i think a lot of the group would feel like they were not as impactful as they like to feel Mm -hmm. and like player characters should feel impactful it's why we play the game yeah and i think that's really important right like it's cool to have strong npcs right and even to have them travel in the party every once in a while i think this is a welcome change of pace but i also think it's very clear that if he wasn't there in this fight that like that fight would have gone very poorly mm-hmm. <laughs> so um so in some respects it's good to have him there but at no point in that fight did it feel like he was overshadowing i think what everybody else was doing everybody else i think still felt like the core damage dealers he largely was just drawing attention away and just preventing people from like getting mauled to death yeah, he was he was very much playing a, a crowd control support kind of uh, position. Mm-hmm. Something I think than that you were... being the DPS. Yeah, which like I mean, he can put out damage like if he focuses on a single enemy. But mm-hmm. I think that he, you know, again, it's like ten or twelve like relatively bulky zombies. They have anywhere from like a hundred to like a hundred and thirty-seven HP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, depending on which one it was. Um, there were some zombies in there that had a paralyzing touch, which was especially dangerous. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, cause like nothing says, you know, kill my character. Like, uh, you know, oh, I'm paralyzed for a minute. That's bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm definitely glad that I chose to jump out of the cart really early and head towards the ones that didn't do that. 
Yeah, I mean, I was. It was a mix, right? So this was a an interesting challenge because here I am. I have to design a zombie encounter for a bunch of high level characters. So for me, it comes down to a couple of things. One, I want to make sure that they feel like zombies, right? I want them to feel mm-hmm. dangerous. I want the element of like being overwhelmed to be present, and mm-hmm. I don't want to kill you guys. So. Um, Scaling up a bunch of like CR1, CR half, CR quarter monsters to something that is like reasonably challenging in numbers against um against a bunch of 14th level characters plus like some you know like CR you know 17-ish NPC mm-hmm. is challenging. Um and I think the way that I ended up approaching it was I took a couple of the I basically took the ghast monster for some of for like the elite zombies, the points that could paralyze. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remembered your fight against the ghasts, and they were like relatively like, you know, the last time the party fought a bunch of ghasts, it was strictly just like as they come. So here mm-hmm. I took the ghasts and I basically I scaled up their HP pool to something that was a little bit more reasonable given everyone's output of damage. Right. Um, I bumped up I think their strength stat and their armor class, you know, effectively giving them like an additional like um proficiency bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think their attack roll went to like a plus seven, and then I bumped the DC on all of their saves to a fifteen. Okay, like all the okay. saves that they would cause. Um, just because like fifteen is like high enough that it's kind of difficult, but not so high that it's impossible for most of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, it's like okay, they have like a plus seven. Most of the party's AC is, you know, in the like eighteen range. So they have to roll like a 12 or something to hit most of the time. Um, If they're wearing their armor. If they're not wearing their armor, then they hit most of the time. So I think that was a a fun little balance. You guys opted not to wear your armor in the fight. So, you know, the fight consequently became a lot more dangerous um, because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there were a lot of times where I was like, if only there wasn't acid rain. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that was the other thing too, right? I wanted to have a... um, an interesting kind of weather element because like you guys have been ambushed on a on a cart before like that's not inherently interesting mm-hmm. um but having some like interesting and, and novel weather phenomena going on at the same time i think makes it a lot more memorable than it would have been otherwise uh yeah i mean it's it's just another thing that we had to deal with you know mm-hmm. um because if it was just the zombies or just being without our army armor or just the time constraint or you know if it was just one thing it would have been you know fine but the fact that we had to deal with all of that all together was was what made it like a real challenge mm-hmm. yeah and that's the thing right like i wanted it to pop and so as far as like the the zombies are concerned, the other thing I tried to do that made the it was like try to have like zombie tactics during mm-hmm. the fight as well. So a lot of the zombies were spending a lot of their attack actions on grappling, in addition yep. to to trying to do an attack. And I think that like that kind of it, it kind of like reads as like classic zombie trope, right? Like the zombies they they don't just like you know attack you; they like pull you down to the ground and like tear you apart. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I definitely did that quite a bit. And you guys got to see that, you know, once you get grappled by like more than one monster at a time, like you just, you can't escape without using some sort of magic or something. Which I did more than once. <laughs> I mean, you had to, right? Because like, otherwise you're grappled by two to three monsters. It takes a whole action to break one grapple and each mm-hmm. of them has a multi-attack. So even if you spend your whole action to break the grapple, not only are you still grappled by the other two, but the other one that you tried that you just broke off could spend its next two attacks attempting to re-grapple you. Yeah. Um, you know, and being a wizard who is stranded like 25 feet away from the safety of everybody else, um, you know, as they, you were taking, you know, like 10, 13 damage a, a whack, um, your mm-hmm. HP dropped really quickly. I was actually really concerned you would go down a lot faster than uh, than I thought. Nah, I had a plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thunder step worked out, right? After I was like, oh, there's more here. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I'm just, I'm just going to make all of these guys come at me. That's my plan now. They're going to they're gonna come over here, and uh, I'm going to thunder step, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope not everybody comes over here. And they didn't. Yeah, I mean, as it turns out, the like persistent like damage turn over turn was enough of a deterrent to get the players to want to stick around like the same area. It wasn't until the zombies started like dragging them off the cart that like you saw that some of them were starting to take that acid damage on a regular basis. Hmm. Um, and I think they should have gone out into the rain earlier. <laughs> I mean, if they had, they might not have stayed up as long as they did. Or. We would have won a lot faster. Also possible. Um, so yeah, and that's the thing too, right? Is like I'm not just building against a bunch of 14th level characters. Like a couple of these builds are very powerful builds. Um, mm-hmm. Between the rogue and the the sorcerer paladin, like those are two like high damage output builds. That like I need enemies that are capable of like soaking some hits. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So um, I will say that I think that um, Nick was a little bit conservative with some of his divine smites early um, for a good chunk of that encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of reluctant to use some of his higher level spell slots. If he had, it probably would have gone a little bit faster. But I think it kind of stands to to under it's understandable given that you know you guys are still two days out or whatever, and you don't know if there's going to be another fight before you guys get a long rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I was very hesitant to use my my two fifth level spell slots um and why i was kind of upset that i had to use them both early on Mm -hmm. because i was like "Mm, this is gonna be a problem if we have to fight again yeah and i hope we don't (laughs) i mean we'll see i will we'll see how i feel about it um I think it would be interesting because you guys don't really get like you guys don't run into that situation all that often where you have like multiple fights in the same day. Mm-hmm. Um partly as a consequence of how I tend to run campaigns, but um but also just like the tools that you guys have available, you're usually able to like retreat in some capacity. Yeah. So if you And I mean we technically could now, if we have to, just run away. Yeah. But it's like not at all desirable. Yeah definitely not what we want to be doing yeah i mean and even in that respect right like there are definitely like some resources that i know that you guys are holding back on just in case things come down to it where you have to do that Mm-hmm. 
So, so yeah, I, I think that it was overall a pretty successful encounter. And I think that when it comes to like deciding whether or not the encounter is successful, you have to ask yourself kind of what the purpose of the fight is, right? If it's just to eat time, then that's one thing, and you can do that with enough enemies. Right. Um, but for me, like the purpose of the encounter was kind of like three or fourfold. Like I had a few good reasons. So one, I wanted to show you guys kind of the limitations of what John can and can't do. This strong NPC that's with you. Because mm-hmm. I don't want you guys in a situation where you're assuming that he has some capability that he does not. There are some things that are very clearly outside of his ability. And he's definitely not well suited in certain situations. Right. Um, I want to demonstrate kind of the, the know-how and abilities of the dwarf NPC that you guys are traveling with. Um, as, you know, well, he didn't do like a ton of damage necessarily. I think he did, um, his like knowledge of the terrain I think was very helpful in kind of navigating that fight, because if he doesn't warn you guys ahead of time that, hey, there's this acid rain situation going on, you guys end up jumping out into the rain, and, you know, by the time you guys even finish that fight, the plate armor that the paladin's wearing has probably fallen to the ground, the armor that you're wearing has probably fallen to tatters as well, and now you're going to this remote location where you have to go through a whole dungeon now without any of your armor on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we would have been significantly worse off we had finished this fight totally fine and then gotten to the dungeon without our armor yeah that would be like exceptionally bad um mm-hmm. as far as like situations are concerned um and that's not even know that's in the dark right you don't even know what the dungeon's going to have in store for you guys yep um so that was part of it i want to set the tone of like how dangerous the area is cuz i think that like kind of wandering around the town i don't think you guys really got a sense for like how inhospitable this area is to citizen to like cities, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, like you guys got a little bit of it, right? I know that when uh, when one of the players did a fly through the city to kind of do some uh, scouting, he got kind of caught by a gravity well that he wasn't expecting and mm-hmm. got tossed around. But like that felt like it was more like for the laughs and kind of messing with him than like actually informative. Um, no, no, I think it was very informative. <laughs> Um, I learned more in that one thing than I learned the entire rest of the time we've been on this plane (laughs) like wait just gravity just stopped working up there for whatever reason yeah that that's not safe that's a problem (laughs) it's not it's not that gravity stopped working it's that gravity just for a big chunk of it just worked different I was like "Mm, no that's not that's no bueno (laughs) yeah um and that's why I really want to kind of like showcase that that uh, danger uh, level when mm-hmm. it came to this fight. And I think that you know the reason I kind of mark it as a success is that I largely did those things. And I also wanted to like give you guys a legitimate challenge. It's the first major, you know, first fight that you guys have had since you hit this level. I want to kind of let mm-hmm. you guys get a chance to really kind of flex your muscles a little bit and really test out some of your newer abilities. Um, so I think that that was also really important for me as well. I got to action action surge for the first time that was relevant, and I'm definitely happy I have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good dip, right? Anytime you're doing a, a character build, if you aren't planning to like max the class, taking a couple levels in fighter generally is is worth. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when it's all said and done, I think that overall it was successful, and I think that it really kind of touches on a lot of the hallmarks of like 
why we do encounters at all, right? Like, encounters right. are not just time sinks. Although it was, it took us like two hours to get through the fight. Um, maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, it was it was a, a chunky fight. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was uh, like, on the scale of, like, tomato bisque to, like, you know, like, Campbell's chunky soup. It was much closer to the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but again, like the fights themselves, they have to be, they have to serve a purpose in my opinion. Like, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes I use them to just fill time, but most of the time I'm trying to tell some sort of story or I'm trying to, to show something to the players when those fights happen. Right. And in this case, it's, you know, kind of the overwhelming sense of danger, uh, and inhospitality, inhospitable terrain that you guys kind of find yourselves traveling through for the next couple of days. Um, and to really kind of like, you know, paint a picture on like, Hey, maybe this dwarf actually isn't like, you know, as useless or like as easy to clown on as we thought, because even though he may not do a lot of damage, clearly if he's able to travel in this style of terrain and not die, like that, that I think says a lot about his capabilities, if nothing else. Um, I mean, if anybody thought that he wasn't going to be like useful or, relevant i think they weren't really paying attention to anything that happened so far (laughs) yeah i mean maybe i think that like Like, mm -hmm. i i feel like so like this guy seems crazy right and would you like to describe some of your interactions with him no no i i would not like to do that no thank you (laughs) (laughs) um but, like, he's definitely crazy. Like, that's for sure. How do you know? But, well, you know, honestly, we don't know for sure. But also, everything that he has done and said up to this point had some kind of logic if you paid attention. And I can't think of any, like, examples right now but there was no point where i was like oh yeah that doesn't make any sense why is he saying that i was like oh (laughs) he makes way more sense than these guys think yeah just because like so like to paint a picture i guess for the people who are listening like this is a dwarf character he's a ranger um you know ranger ranger styled character he's not like literally ranger levels but ranger style character um you know short sword bow and arrow um you know good at tracking good at like you know navigating the wasteland basically um really knowledgeable and he has been to the place that the players need to go to um to this place called the miscath pit um in exandria uh so basically he's like he's been down there and back up and more or less like most conversations they have with him he he has like some trauma that he's clearly working through um although in this case it's more like it's more like he's seen he's seen things that kind of broke his mind and like he's still able to function in society but he's clearly got a screw loose um you know things like you know laughing at uh you know kind of inappropriate times um is is a pretty common thing for this character I think they were very appropriate times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, 
but like it's clear to me at least that like well he he's clearly like seen some stuff and that's clearly like had a, a, a probably a net negative impact on his psyche um that he's not like just a caricature of somebody who's nuts to me at least mm-hmm. uh, you might feel differently i guess but to me it's like he, he even though like he he has that kind of tick where he you know kind of starts laughing at times um he's not so far gone as to not be able to like operate or rationalize or things like that. Like, in fact, it's almost conceivable that he could just have Tourette's or something. Um, like more so than anything else. Yeah, I could see that. Like a form of it. Um, I could, I could definitely see that. Yeah. I mean, like that's not the stated reason that he acts the way that he does. So, you know, unless he's lying to you. But I don't think he's giving you any reason to doubt him. Uh, he hasn't. He's been pretty like straightforward. Surprisingly, about basically everything so far. Yeah, and like that in itself would normally make me suspicious. <laughs> really, someone who's too trustworthy. Yeah, people who give me no reason to be suspicious are more suspicious than people who give me reasons to be suspicious. And that was a lot of times to say suspicious in one sentence. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, so you actually, you actually trust this guy then? Uh, for the most part, like I trust that when he says something to us, it's probably exactly what it is. There's no like, hidden meaning behind the things he's saying really mm-hmm. um because like like the last point he made in the last session was um if you guys leave this cart without me for any reason i've already been paid i'm going home mm-hmm. i'm going to finish the job and whether you're with me or not i'm finishing the job and going home because his job is just to go there. We literally paid him to go there. Whether we follow him there or not isn't his problem. And like that's the kind of like straightforwardness that is surprisingly trustworthy. Well, I think if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I think it does cuz like for this particular character like you know exactly where he stands and I think that's something mm-hmm. that you don't always get when you're interacting with new NPCs, right? Mhm. Um so in some respects it's kind of refreshing, particularly if you like play in a campaign where you have a bunch of characters who are like somewhat duplicitous. Um mm-hmm. you know, and who are trying to conceal information or angle shoot around the players. Um it can be really refreshing to have just like He's just a guy who's like here to do his job and you know, he's just no nonsense. Like this is this is what it is. You know, you guys can come with me or not. I really don't care. Uh you guys pay me money to to do a job. If you guys bail, I got paid my my half up front. And if you aren't there when I get when you know, if you're not gonna be there for me to guide you the rest of the way, I'm just gonna go home. I don't need to go there and and you know, that's not my problem. Yeah. And and like that's the kind of thing that like you're telling me up front exactly how it is. I have no reason not to trust that. So I have no reason not to trust you. Yeah. You know, until you prove otherwise, but you know. Yeah. But like, we'll get, 
if that happens, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and I think that like that's I I think really valuable when it comes to certain NPCs. Like when you have someone who's like traveling alongside you guys, it's it's always a tough balance as a DM whenever you have NPCs that are going to be spending any sort of like significant time with the players. Because you have to like run the the balance act of trying to ensure that they are like realized characters, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is a person who exists in this world, has thoughts, feelings, ideas, and whatnot, but isn't so forceful all of the time to where they're going to be guiding the conversation too much or they're going to um, dominate like what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so like with this character, he's serving as a guide, of course, but you know, in some respects, John, like the NPC, John, who's with you guys, um, you know, the spider, spider T 1000, he's kind of in a similar bow. Like you guys did, you know, hit him up because you know that he's looking to help you guys um, fight the big bad evil guy, which is who you're going to confront right now. Mm-hmm. And you're presuming or hoping that his skill set will be, helpful when it comes time to actually like navigate this dungeon fight these guys right you know fight the bad guy at the end of it but like getting from point a to point b is you know i don't want him to outshine what everybody else is doing right which is as it should be exactly i think it's not interesting if you just have an npc who can just like solve all the problems like if for instance he walks up like you there's all these zombies coming up two or three you know rounds go through and he's like you know what i'm tired of this snaps his fingers and then all of the zombies just turn into like a mass of spiders like that would be cool (laughs) you guys would be like what the shit (laughs) like what um Mm -hmm. but then i've just broken all of the future encounters like i would have no choice but to write john out of this story because like because then we'd be like well why aren't you just turning everything into spiders yeah, and like, yeah, I can BS a reason, but the minute that you guys start to find the, like, the edges of, like, what he can and can't do is the minute that you start trying to, like, get him to f- solve your problems for you. Mm-hmm. So, and, like, he can solve some of those problems. Like, if someone dies, you know that he can reincarnate somebody. You know, he doesn't want to do that. It's a taxing process for him, but, like, in an emergency, it's a it's an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely... It definitely is something nice to know we can fall back on if we absolutely have to, but even then, I would rather not. I think when he told us he could do it, he said we might not come back the same. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't want to die and come back as a dwarf. (laughs) Or anything else. Like, it's not like there isn't a, like, there is a significant uh, variety of races on Ravnica that you're familiar with. So, like, that's a lot of options to, like, roll the dice on, proverbially. Yeah. No, that doesn't sound great at all. <laughs> it's like Gris Zirkin, the famed it wizard, leaves the world and returns as an imp. Can you imagine if Gris came back as, like, a devil? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to explain shows up that. one day like, hey, mom, hey, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Same voice and everything, just like... That would be so wild. I mean, I think in his in that character's case, like his mother would probably be fine with it. Yeah, dad probably wouldn't though. <laughs> I'm 
my beautiful boy. <laughs> what could they've done to my boy? <laughs> so, um, so have you run any interesting encounters on your on your party? Um, like lately, I haven't played my game lately. Gasp! This is actually a pretty consistent problem for D and D players. It really is, and I hate every second of it. Um, but I have, for all of the month of May, basically, I was busy. Um, and then I'm only really free weekends. Um, two of my players close at work on weekends. So it's not a great situation for us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then though, it, it was, uh, somebody else's campaign. So even if we were playing, I wasn't going to be running any encounters or anything. I see, I see. Right on. Um, I mean, that sucks. And that's, like, pretty common, I think, um, for, like, mm-hmm. D&D campaigns. Like, sometimes you just go on, like, unscheduled hiatus. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's tough to find people who have, like, consistent schedules, you know? I mean, basically everybody's schedule is consistent. It's just consistently the wrong time now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't quite line up with what you're doing, basically. Yeah. Which is fine. It happens. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, my campaigns tend to be, like, fairly consistent. And, like, even by my standards, like, sometimes it just happens where you go, like, you know, three weeks or something without playing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, case in point, I was expecting the campaign to be basically done by now, um, if we had played every week, um, you know, since the beginning of the year. But here we are in the middle of June, and, you know. It's not over yet. <laughs> yeah i mean and as it happens i know we were discussing like potentially extending it a little bit more so that way we could kind of hit some more level up milestones um as you guys kind of barrel towards the end here yeah yeah we have no thanks <laughs> i mean i could right it still can it's it's just a matter of trying to you know just pace it appropriately i think that like Worst case scenario, you guys will probably finish at like 17 as a level. Um, I might be able to push it to 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I do that, it'll it'll involve extending the the actual like campaign a bit um, beyond where you're currently at. Eh, we'll see. Yeah, I also kind of get the feeling though that everyone's kind of like looking forward to just kind of like finishing the story at this point. Uh, yes, I don't want to have to deal with Charles or any of his bullshit ever again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, fairly, fairly understandable, I think, given the circumstances. <laughs> so, uh... but yeah, I mean, I, I think like one of my big regrets for the current campaign is that like I wasn't able to like weave in elements for every single player's story unfortunately as much as i wanted to anyways Um, i mean yeah that's that's a thing that happens though especially when you know 
two of the characters are fairly new to the group. Mm-hmm. Um, because Dremis was not around from the very beginning. Um, because Devian quote unquote died and Dustin had to re-roll. And then Gris is the newest because I did not live in Las Vegas when you started this campaign and I only joined when it moved online. Mm. So like it's kind of expected that Arnon and Oliver would have more of the story focused on them. Um especially Arnon who I think left enough room in his backstory to make more of it about him. I mean, not by design. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but, you know, it's easier to take a very bland backstory and make it something that the whole party has to deal with than to take a robust backstory and fit everyone into making that story work. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. I think that you have to have players who are like cool with you kind of tweaking things. Like one thing that I always mm-hmm. try to keep in mind whenever I'm looking at PC backstories is that like these backstories are largely written from the player character's perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So any story that you're saying, right? So like for instance, um, your character's backstory, you're a wizard. You mm-hmm. were working on an, on a pro- personal project on Ravnica when one day it exploded and it dropped you in Kamigawa. This, yep. you know, basically backwater plane as far as you're concerned um, mm-hmm. by comparison. And you end up stuck there for like six months until one day when you're out in the rice fields, like somebody just wanders by who very clearly isn't dressed like any local. And like, it just yeah. happens to be your ticket out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, by like by pure coincidence and chance, mind you. So like, as far as Gris is concerned, the only reason he ever made it back home is just strictly just pure luck. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't need to be the case. It is totally one hundred percent possible that the only reason Gris survived getting thrown through the blind attorneys is because he in fact sparked, and just hasn't realized it yet. That is very true, and actually something I thought about. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to confirm or deny that's the case. It may mm-hmm. actually be the case. I haven't decided yet, truthfully. Um, it'll depend if it ever comes up or not. But I think that mm-hmm. that would be a a interesting and reasonable explanation for your character's survival in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree. Um, but the thing is that because of like kind of the constructs of the rest of the campaign, that doesn't even have to be the case, right? It's confirmed that there's technology that exists that allows you to travel travel the planes, whether you have a spark or not. So... Mm-hmm. I think that it, you know, and obviously, you know, the Bard was able to figure it out <laughs> through through raw magical talent. Um, Somehow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think that, like, that is, like, that's what I mean, though. Like, I can always take your backstory and tweak it a little bit. Maybe it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, random chance. Maybe that was always going to happen. Maybe you're reliving a time loop or something. And at the end of this campaign, you wake up back on Kamigawa. <laughs> Yo, that sounds like something that would happen to an is it scientist. <laughs> I'm just stuck in this time loop forever. Yeah. Um can't even can't even say that I would be surprised. 
I mean, you have to keep in mind that Charles's whole shtick is he's trying to, like, use the magic of five different worlds to basically power a time reversal spell. It is totally mm-hmm. conceivable it could go horribly wrong, and the party just, just stuck living this infinite loop. That sounds awful. Please don't do that to me. I'm not going to do that to everybody, but, like, that would be the kind of downer ending that, like, could make sense, given, like, the things that I've put within the campaign so far. Yeah. Yeah, it it would make sense. But I would hate it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it would be all that satisfying, I think. Like, unless there's, like, some good explanation for why it's, like, a tragic sacrifice or something. Or, or, hear me out here. This could be your way to extend the campaign, and we have to figure out how to break the time loop. And after we we fail, we fail in the in the final battle or whatever, and Charles starts the time loop over. This time we don't forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe uh, someone hijacks a spell or something in the last minute and like is able mm-hmm. to to rewrite it. You know, I think, I think if. I didn't come up with this. It would be a really great way to keep the campaign going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I kind of am digging it, but I think that, um, like, I also think that, like, sometimes we just want, like, easily understandable bad guys and good guys and, like, an easily understandable ending. Nah. <laughs> no, you just want to rehash the, the end of Doctor Strange. Dormammu have come to bargain. Listen, you know me. I love a good time travel story. It's true. And, like, I've definitely put the elements in where I could do this. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's tough. Um, and I know that we've gotten, like, horribly off topic from what we actually were going to talk about. Um, I mean, that's the show at this point. Uh, yeah. If you don't... If you've gotten this many episodes in and you don't expect us to go wildly off topic... Are you really a fan of the show? What if it's their first episode, though? And... Yeah, yeah. I... All right, this is this is your chance to go back and catch up and then be prepared for <laughs> the off-topic discussion you just heard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I and mean, now that... you're trapped in a time loop. It's <laughs> meta. Um... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's a thing. I do actually have some stuff that I do have planned for the characters post, like, the end of this story beat. So, mm-hmm. you know, after a, a short hiatus, I do want to come back and let you guys kind of enjoy another, like, you know, um, not like a one-shot necessarily, but like something similar to, like, you know, a uh-huh. handful of sessions um, to kind of enjoy the characters again. And I think that that would be a good way to kind of, like, extend those last couple of levels and hit level 20. Sure. Um, so really like for this campaign, I just want to kind of get you guys within like, within like shooting distance of, mm-hmm. of those last couple of levels. Um, so if you guys end at like 18 or 19, like that'll be perfect for me. Um, I think all things considered. Yeah, I could, I could see that. So, and it's not because like it's important or not. Like I really don't care air quotes. Like it doesn't, you guys don't need to be a particular level. It's more so this, that like, I want to cross off the bucket list of like running a campaign to level 20 and I just haven't gotten to do that yet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you never will. I quit. Oh, uh, well, I mean, everybody else is still playing. I'll convince Nick. It won't be hard. Mm, I don't know about all that. Listen, 
I'll convince <laughs> Dustin. I'll tell him there's no more combat encounters. I mean, there might not be. The look, it's in, it's in recording now. Can't post the can't post this episode unless you want me to have ammo to use against Dustin. Oh, I can just cut that bit out. It's no big deal. I'm calling the police. <laughs> oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. It, I, I will say, like, I am gonna have some fun planning some of these upcoming encounters, though, because I think mm-hmm. that like that last fight leaves me quite a bit to kind of live up to. So mm. I'm gonna have to really kind of dig deep to find like some interesting things to do for these next you know several encounters um until you guys get to the the dungeon itself mm-hmm. um and you know we'll see how it goes i mean i do think that you guys like here's the thing it's like i think that like kind of as a function of your level and your like abilities <laughs> and wealth i think that you guys don't really do as much preparing as you really ought to <laughs> like given the circumstances and i never will yeah, probably not, but um, I don't know. I was kind of hoping you guys would spend a little bit more time, like really, kind of like looking and getting supplies, and I I didn't really get that from you guys at the last like major stop. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, this like if there is any more fights this day, it's going to be really tough. If there are any more fights this like week, it's probably going to be especially difficult. Um, as you guys kind of venture deeper into the into into the wasteland there. Um, yeah, probably, but you know, I barely prepare for my sessions. What did you expect me to do when I'm player? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of funny because, like, I would expect Gris as a character to be a lot more like concerned about that sort of thing. Nah, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> okay. Gris, Gris is the kind of person who will spend weeks doing research on this one thing that we're going to that we're going to and he knows that if he does he won't act until it's too late and we don't have time for that that hurt my brain yeah i know (laughs) um so i guess pivoting back to like what we were initially going to talk about um, what are some of the things that you do to kind of jazz up your encounters? Because I know, like, we just spent a, a not insignificant amount of time talking in detail about one that I recently ran, but, like, obviously you haven't done anything recently, but what are some of your go-tos? Um, hmm. Good question. I don't know. I know you can't see me, but I just hard blinked. Good. <laughs> um, my in- we 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 both know and a lot of the viewers at home know this by now my my games are very encounter light and there's a lot of role playing and not a lot of anything else um so my my combat encounters are challenging in that the players are often not expecting them to happen because they rarely happen mm-hmm. so it's just Oh, by the way, you have to fight now. Because usually they have a very obvious way to get out of a fight if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the encounters are challenging in that often they just don't have a way to avoid it if they do have a fight. So I guess in that respect, because of the infrequency of the fights in general, they probably are a bit more memorable as a consequence. Uh, I I find that to be the case, yes. Just 
Hey, remember that one fight? You mean the only fight we had? Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, the last, like in the last eight weeks or whatever, we only had one fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's definitely one way to do it, right? Um, for someone like me who I think runs comparatively a lot more combat encounters, uh, and I really enjoy the combat aspect of the game. Like, I I enjoy that bit quite a bit. I mean, I do too. Um, but it's just combat encounters take so much more preparation. <laughs> I mean, they really don't have to, though. Yeah, they do. I mean, not if you're doing them live. Hardly at all. I mean, I can't tell you how many combat encounters that, like, I brewed up on the spot, just drew a map off the top of my head, and then either referenced whatever the, like, the direct stats were in the monster manual by just, like, tabbing over to it, um, or mm -hmm. just making up numbers in my head and jotting them down on a piece of paper so they stay consistent. That's usually what I end up doing when I, uh, when I do combat. Um, but like, even that is more, more set up than just here, talk to this guy. That's interesting you say that. Cause I feel like when it comes to like social encounters, I feel like I need to like juggle way more information. Um, I guess that's just difference in, in how our brains work i guess um because it's it's very easy for me to just do social encounters mm. what do you mean by that like so so like, like for me when i'm running social encounters mm -hmm. i'm usually like kind of managing a few different things i'm managing like what the person you're talking to wants mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. kind of like what they're trying to get out of you and what they're willing to offer in, in exchange right so yep same same so in the instance of like anytime you guys talk to charles the big bad evil guy like he has a lot of information that he's keeping close to the chest he offers mm -hmm. you guys only the information that he feels is absolutely necessary to compel you guys to do what he wants and not as mm -hmm. not a smidgen over that and so like whenever i'm running those those social encounters i'm constantly thinking about like what is he trying to get the players to do and what do i need to say in order to kind of move the conversation in that direction yep Mm-hmm. Um and that's kind of what I do too, for the most part. Um but I can I can slip into being that person or even those people way more than I can think about any kind of strategy or interesting encounters. And and it just it happens. The role play encounters just come out of me. Yeah, I guess for me, maybe it's just it's a little bit more difficult to manage, like, multiple characters in a sitting. Like, even just, like, the last last session or whatever, when, like, we had that just brief banter between, like, John, um, John Bandor and the rest of the party. Like, it mm -hmm. was still, even that was a little bit difficult, kind of, like, managing those, those two character personalities, even though they're, like, very different personalities for me. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, to switch back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's hard to switch back and forth, and it's hard to kind of, like, manage each of these different characters kind of interpreting the new information and processing it, and then, like, what they do with that information at the same time. Yep. But that's the kind of thing that uh, just happens for me. I don't, I don't have to do a whole lot of thinking about it. 
Um, and my players can tell you how many like role play encounters happen with like six different NPCs just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like super easy when it's that many, but I, I have an easier time doing that than worrying about, you know, placement and maneuvering and all the things you have to do for combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely I think some DMs are going to shy towards one or the other. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I don't think that that means that you're not that you're good or bad at either or like, I think you can be you can prefer one and still be like, you know, competent at the other at the other stuff. It's not about good or bad. It's just one of them comes easier. Yeah. So, like, for me, like, whenever it comes to to managing social situations, like, I do know that my my campaign structure tends to reflect the fact that I have a harder time with that sort of thing. So, like, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, you guys don't really interact with more than one NPC at a time. Um, Right. You know, occasionally too, very infrequently beyond that. Not that there aren't other people around, but they tend not to get involved in the conversation um, if they are. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Yeah. Like, the times where I do do that are, like, so far and few between. Um, like, I recall one instance where it was... Uh, this was at the end of Bramble Branch. So this is a coastal town that had fallen to anarchy. Um, because of player actions and when the players returned to try and restore things there were effectively three three or four different factions within the town that the players then had to fight and and kind of rally together and eventually they got the heads of each of these different factions plus their lieutenants sitting in the same room to have a conversation about how to like restructure the town government Mm -hmm. and like that was tough (laughs) <laughs> that was a tough social encounter to run because I'm representing like not only are there, are there you know four PCs here right but I'm also representing um, just offhand it was um, it was like the second in command for like the kids because like there was like a um, a group of like basically like teenage hooligans that were running a chunk of town so mm-hmm. the leader of that gang died. And so it was his lieutenant and his, and then the lieutenant's, um, like, girlfriend or whatever, who were representing their interests. It was the um, Professor Thaddeus, Professor Thaddeus Ixion, who was um, representing the, like, local mage college, along with the, like, the remainder of the police that stayed behind. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was him, and then it was, like, Detective Oakburn or something were the other two NPCs for that faction. And then there was another two NPCs for the criminals who had broken out of jail and taken over the jail, um, whose names Wild. I can't remember offhand. Um, but it was two people out of their camp as well. So that's six different NPCs or whatever. All three, you know, and good chunks of those, they all want different things, mm-hmm. um, ultimately speaking. So it was, it was a tough situation, um, all told. It sounds like it. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, especially too, right? These, you know, the day before, whatever, all these characters were like trying to kill one another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, up until things got got real bad, but, but yeah, it was it was an interesting uh, situation though. I wasn't really sure how it was going to work out at the end of the day. 
Like, that was one of those situations where I just kind of tossed a bunch of characters into a small room and said, talk it out. And however it, it worked out, it worked out. And eventually the, the players came up with a a reasonable compromise that put professor the professor in charge of the town temporarily mm-hmm. until they could come up with like something more permanent to the solution. Okay, that's something. Yeah, he had to like make some concessions about like who was running what. I think some people were um were basically released <laughs> from from prison. They weren't like re reincarcerated. Mm-hmm. Um kind of based on what happened, but it's it, it was it was tough. I, I imagine if the players ever get to go back, they'll get to to check up on things. Um <laughs> that'll, that'll be interesting. Will it though? Or will it be a mess? You know what? A mess can be interesting. It'll be fine. Yeah, I think it will be. Um, <laughs> I think the last time they checked in with those characters, the person, uh, Professor Ikshin, was still in charge, but he had somebody working with him who was like an advisor from one of the other city-states who had come over to assist. Uh-huh. Um, because, like, even though he was put in charge, like, He's just a college professor. He doesn't have like governing talent or is mm-hmm. particularly good at it. He he was reluctant to even take the the posting. Um but you know, it was decided that he would be the one to do it. And uh he was having a rather bad time. <laughs> He's basically like the minute I can find someone to take this job off my hands, I'm going to do it, but it has to be someone I trust. <laughs> As soon as somebody else can do it, they're doing it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of like um oh it was like a it was a podcast I listened to with like CGP Grey on it some time ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like a hypothetical. It's like, Grey, what would you do if you were the president of the world? He's like, Oh, well that's easy. I'd immediately renounce the, the job. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like, really? Nothing else? Like, no, I'd be terrible at this job. I'd immediately, like, abdicate. Like, there's no way I'm doing this. (laughs) Make it somebody else's problem. Y'all don't want me anyways. Good luck. (laughs) But I'm just like, yo, I can respect that. Like, I can respect knowing yourself to that level. (laughs) I can respect knowing that you just don't want to do it. (laughs) It's like, I don't want that kind of responsibility. That sounds awful. It sounds great. Well, then we'll we'll put you in charge next time. I mean, we have discussed my plan to run for president in 2032. Ooh, that's true. Wait, will you be old enough to do that? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll be old enough to run in 2028, but I don't think I have a chance of winning the first time I run. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and if at first you don't succeed, try and try again, as they say. Uh, so is this the official campaign announcement? Uh, I mean, it's ten years early, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do, I'll I'll definitely uh, volunteer to be your uh, chief of staff. Sick. My cabinet is filling up fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll help you run the campaign. I I already have a VP and uh uh. Ooh, actually, I think Julian said he wanted to be my chief of staff. That's fine. I'll, I'll do, like, treasury or something. Yeah. Just put me somewhere. I'm, I'm sure you'll figure out where to where to make use of me. 
Ooh, you can be Secretary of Education. Ooh, that would be a good one. Yeah. Not Secretary of State? Hmm. I don't know. I'd have to... <laughs> I think I think for that one, I'd have to put more thought into it. It won't come as easily. Mm-hmm. Unlike making up people, that's easier for you. Yeah. Consistent. <laughs> I can make up fictional people all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be fun. <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> Look, if AOC can become a senator, then there's no reason that you can't be president. If Donald Trump can do it, I can do it. Ooh, yeah. That's, uh, that's true. That that's real true. He was kind of famous beforehand, though. Yeah, and I'll be famous in the next ten years. It's fine. Ooh, yeah, calling I it like now. That. I like that. Calling my shot. <laughs> I mean, you know, just gotta just gotta simp over more people on Twitter. That's not gonna make me famous. No, but it could get you arrested. I don't think being arrested would make me famous. Depends on what you get arrested for. Also, why would I get arrested for simping? <laughs> I guess technically it would have to cross into like stalking, right? I'm not going to do that. That's so so weird. Don't stalk people, guys. Yeah. I mean, if if that wasn't abundantly clear, like please respect people's boundaries. Just because people like your posts on Twitter doesn't mean that they like you. Yeah. Sometimes they just like one or two things you have to say and don't want to talk to you ever again. It's true. Oh, man. <laughs> Lord of mercy. Send help. Yeah, we can do that. So, but with that, I think it's good. Uh, we're good to, to call it for today. What do you think? Uh, sure, why not? All right, man. Well, with that, uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at TIAFA Podcast, um, where you can catch up on all the show updates, uh, interact with us, etc. Um, there's a link to our Discord server um, in the description of this episode, so if you can, follow it there. If not, uh, reach out on Twitter and we'll send it to you. <laughs> you know, we want people to, to enjoy and, and hang out with us. And feel free to simp for us. Yeah, yeah, you could do that too if you want. Um, just you know, don't DM us anything inappropriate because um, we will put you on blast. DM me inappropriate things because I might put you on blast. Oh, I see. It's a, it's like not a, a guarantee. Yeah. So like a coin flip? Or are we talking like a sixty forty split? Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. It depends how I feel, really. Okay. If it's like funny, does that like mean it's more likely to get to get shared or less likely? Uh, it depends on the funny. Is it funny at the person's expense or is it funny just because it's, you know, actual comedy? Okay, well, if you want to find out, you can find Marvin at Taiyugetsu on Twitter. Uh-huh. Or you can find me at Vlad Beaver, um, as per usual. Um, please check out the uh, show on all of your major podcast players and... Uh, with that, uh, take care of yourselves, stay safe, and uh, have a good one. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>